ago. I don't know if you uh, think about it this way, but what we are doing this morning is one of the greatest gifts and greatest privileges we have as children of God. To gather in his presence and to offer to him our praise, our worship, our thanks. Worship is such a gift. I have uh, certain uh, pictures uh, literally engraved into my mind when it comes to worship. One of them uh, is 9-11. Gathering uh, with our congregation in Nashville, Tennessee, when those tragic events occurred, as occurred across the nation in churches where they were filled that night and filled for the Sundays to follow. People were hungry to be in the presence of a loving God who brings hope. I have a picture of Martha and I being in Peru and taking a taxi one morning in a city of nine million people making our way through the busy streets to a church that was basically in a basement. And as we worshiped there, and as I shared God's word, there was no doubt the Holy Spirit was present. And then being in India about five years ago, and that one is the one that maybe is the one that seems to be engraved so clearly, but the young women, uh, the girls of that church, most of them sat up front. And you would watch their eyes and you would see the expressions and the emotions on their faces, and it was as if they were standing face to face with the Lord right in front of them. Adoringly, humbly, Thankful, like a bride and a groom standing, making their vows to each other. What a privilege it is for us to offer to the Lord our praise, our thanks. In our, our reading today, we have this phrase, they worshipped him. And I'd like to suggest that that is the epitome of what it means for us to live the Christian life. Those marked by Christ, those called to be not only his disciples, his students, but those who live like him, those who truly make disciples like him. And so today we are celebrating the ascension of our Lord that he has gone to the Father's right hand. There he is preparing a place for you and me, a mansion. We also have that wonderful reminder of our Lord with his ascension that we were not being left alone. But as the disciples you know, we're, you know, wrestling with everything that had been going on, and now, wait a minute, here you go again, Lord, you're leaving us. But they were filled with joy, and they worshipped him. 
And it was with that in mind, drawing from those very words of our text for today, that I decided to entitle this message, Praising God Continually. But we have a problem. The problem is, is when you and I hear the word worship, when we think of worship, this is what we picture. Gathering together in a building like this once a week or so. I've told you the, the regular worship in America today is once every five weeks. But this is what we picture. But this morning my prayer is that we would move beyond limiting our, our image or our picture of worship to this. My prayer is that our eyes and our hearts would be opening to discover the post-resurrection ascension model of worship. Our text again records that when he left them and ascended into heaven, they worshipped him. Then they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Continually praising God. Now it's also a little surprising that this is their reaction because over the prior 40 days, since the resurrection... Can you imagine everything that was running through their minds? I mean, they were called by him to come and follow him. They, they left everything. They followed him for three years. Then he's arrested. Then he's, you know, falsely judged. Then he's crucified. He's dead and he's buried. And then he was back again. Alive. And it's almost like, What? Forty days, you've been with us, and now you're gone. Can you imagine the confusion and the fear and the doubt that was running through their minds? What I love about our Lord's response to his disciples, the followers, you know, emotions and reactions is he doesn't stop them from having those feelings. He doesn't try to squelch it. But instead, he meets them right there where they are in their fear. He lets them touch him. He lets them see that he is truly alive over these 40 days. And his re followers responded with great joy and with worship. I think our lives are often filled with doubt and fears and trials like were the disciples then. And we too then, in the midst of those fears and doubts, we're trying to figure things out. But here's the wonderful news for each of us today, that Jesus does not abandon us in the midst of those circumstances. He comes to us in the midst of them. He invites us to come to him. And Jesus wants us then to experience that resurrection joy and to let his presence fill our lives with wonder, with worship, with amazement. Even in the midst of the things we can't understand or the sorrows or struggles that we are going through. But this worship that we're reading about here today, 
well, this is no one day a week or every so often kind of worship. This is worship that is intertwined into every aspect and area of life. No segregated faith in life. You know, we so easily do that, right? I mean, I've had conversations over the past few years in particular, uh, sometimes when, you know, people are struggling with, you know, positions of the church on certain things, whether it's abortion and some of the abortion laws or, you know, just things that they're like, listen, you know, this is where I stand politically and that my faith has nothing to do with it. And I'm like, really? Because who we are and who we are defined as, as followers, should be influencing our response to the world and to those around us. Our faith, our life, our worship is meant to be integrated, not segregated. And I think this kind of model gets back a little bit to the Old Testament model of worship maybe that we particularly see in David's writings, such as in Psalm 63 where this is what he says. I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And your name, and in your name, I will lift up my hands. And I love how David lived. You read through the Psalms, and particularly Psalm 63, I might encourage you to go read through the whole thing, but I love how David's life and day would begin in prayer. He would begin in the quietness of a day before all the things of the world and life would start to come at him. He would go there in seeking the freshness and the hope of a new day in God's presence and in his power. Now the contrast is how many of you and many of us end up approaching him. We wait till we're in the midst of a trial, until we're in the midst of a crisis. A good biblical example of that would be Jonah. He waited to cry out to the Lord until he was in the belly of that whale. My encouragement is for us to pray as David prayed, my soul thirsts, my flesh longs for you, even though all I see are dead branches and dry places where everything in and around me feels like it's taking its last breath. There is no water, but I'm looking to you, God, for your love is better than life. Everything around David looked pretty bleak at this point. But a great statement of faith came from within him as his spiritual hunger and thirst were quenched in worship. So here I am in the place of worship, he says in Psalm 63, verse 2. Eyes open, drinking in your strength and your glory. See how David worshipped? He came with expectation. That when he came into the presence of the Lord, 
whether, you know, on his lanai or back porch or rooftop or quietness of a prayer room maybe he had, but the fact is he came with anticipation that he would be in God's presence, and he lifted up his hands in prayer. He did it in adoration. He did it in reverence. He did it in surrender. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Oh, how I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands in prayer. By the way, I think a few of you, if you actually heard me just say that, are a little uncomfortable because not too many of us Lutherans lift our hands up in prayer. But it's biblical. It is probably one of the oldest forms of prayer and, and response to the Lord and His presence and His provision in our lives. To surrender and say, I'm yours, Lord. And to offer to Him our praise, our thanks, our love, our worship. When life's harshness invades you, your soul, your life, it's hard to pull yourself out, isn't it? You've been there. I've been there. Whether it's an illness, whether it's health, whether it's a crisis, whether it's you know, something you're battling with, it's hard to pull yourself out. But this is where God's Spirit, already alive within us, is at work. Our spirits are rekindled by worshiping in faith and by being obedient there to God's will. Lift up your head. Lift up your hands. Worship Him. This is what David was doing when he says, Your love is better than life. And so even when the world around him was you know, seemingly falling apart and everything was lost, David discovered that worship changed everything. That's how the people of Haiti worshipped. And I'm not talking about what I mentioned about us uh, worshipping uh, last Sunday there in Haiti. I'm talking about how I would look at the eyes and the behaviors and the actions of the people each day in the morning. And as we drove along the streets. And as we went from school to school to church to church. I want to uh, give Julia a chance to speak for a moment a little bit about uh, the impact of seeing their lives as worship from her perspective this morning. Julia? On Wednesday, we went to one lady's house after we did our school visit, and this woman did not have anything. Her house was made of probably mud and a tin roof, and that's about it. Uh, her name was Rita. She had a six-year-old son named Stevenson, I believe, and a little baby who was one years old. Her husband died a year ago, and she had nothing left. 
Um, but I could still see joy in her eyes, and I could see that she had hope in her heart. We went into her house, if you can even call it a house, and um, we just went in there and talked to her about what her life was like and uh, how she was a Christian, and I could see that was very evident. Um, but one way I think her life was worshiped to God was that whatever she did, it was for her children and not for her. She put them first. We asked her if um, she ate every day, and she said no. And then we asked her if she ate every other day, and she said sometimes. But she always made sure her kids had what they needed. And that goes beyond just food because she sent her son to the school in the area even when her father, who lives right next to her, kept saying, it's not worth it, it's not worth it. She doesn't even have an education because he believed that. But he, she knew that this education will give her son a future, something better than she could have for herself. But just putting that first and making sure he's going to a Christian school where not only is he getting fed physically every day with a bowl of rice and beans, but also spiritually. Um, I just could see that that's where she found her joy in the Lord and not anything else. Thank you. Um, when we went into that house, uh, it changed, I think, the perspective of all of us. All day long, you're driving around the country, and I would roughly say that mud hut, and yes, it was made of mud, not concrete block. Um, the, the rafters were tree branches and sticks with scraps of tin. It was a single room, I would say eight by 10. The only piece of furniture was a bed. But while we were in her house trying to have private conversation where not everybody from the community was standing around looking, what I watched was her face, like Julia noted, and there was a smile and this hope. And I got a greater sense of where that came from when we went outside. And uh, we had brought a guitar from a ministry called um, Instruments of Joy. They find unused um, instruments, and they send them with mission teams around the world. All week long, Julia had been playing, and our team, or her, singing songs. And outside, uh, Julia began to uh, lead us in singing a couple songs. This woman knows no English. And she did not know the song, because it's actually the songs we sang were a couple of contemporary ones we use here. But I stood there and I watched her and she sang each song. Every day, she found a way to worship the Lord. Whether it's no job, a widow, two children at 30. And the only way that occasionally she has a little income other than surviving maybe on the kindness of her father or another, was would go into the woods, cut down some branches, 
and burn it and make it into charcoal and sell it to other poor people just like her. But she had joy and she had hope. Her life was a life of worship. Sometimes people ask me why I, I go and do these mission trips and and I think Paul's uh, writing in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, says it best when he says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. That's it. Christ's love for me and for you compels us. And as those who have experienced it, those who don't deserve it, those who can't earn it, we are called to share it. The last command Jesus gave his people was, you will be my witnesses. In the villages, Wildwood, Oxford, the United States, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's our call. And I think to a great extent then, we're called to live like David, where our lives are lived in worship. Not one day a week, but every day in all that we do, in all that we say. The Lord further says to us in Corinthians chapter 5, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them, and was raised again. And I think the best way for us to live for him is to live in worship, praising him continually, not only for the blessings in our lives, but in such a way that people will be drawn to us and see him in us, that they too may respond in whatever circumstances they have and offer him their worship and their praise. May he empower us to do so as we live and worship him continually. Amen. And now may the peace that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds rooted, growing, and honoring you, Jesus, with our lives each and every day.